Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I am your host, Alex Bonds, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by uh, John Shapiro of um, Optolytics. John, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Hi, Alex. Thanks yeah, I'm all... No, not at all. No, well, thank you very much. Um, no, I'm... Uh... I'm doing okay, actually, but um, I've got my World of Warcraft best look because uh, I've got my noise. We, we were just discussing the yeah. merits of uh, noise cancelling headphones. I do love them, but I'm not sure about the look, but that's that's what we need to do. You've got, um, you've got AI in motion, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I've got my best Steve Jobs, uh, you know, uh, turtleneck on as well, so we'll, we'll, we'll be getting there. But, um, John, before we pile into it... Um, you know, it'd be lovely if you could introduce Optolytics and, um, you know, what it is the business does and um, and, and obviously yourself to the people that um, uh, don't know you. Sure. Okay. Well, I guess maybe um, on me first, um, I suppose, uh, so I've got a tech background, um, come to software engineering and um, as um, I think I once joked with you before, I did AI before it was kind of a, a buzzword. Uh, <laughs> before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you, we hope it's cool now. You're, uh, you're an AI hipster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, um, yeah, I did neural networks at university, and this was like in the late 90s, and mm. uh, I remember publishing a, a paper um, at a conference I went to, and it was like one of the only AI papers there. And, you know, when you go today and you're looking, I think it wasn't, because I'm recognizing shapes on maps for electrifying townships in South Africa. So mm -hmm. how we applied AR to that, I don't quite know, but uh, we, we managed to. <laughs> um, then I came over to the UK um, around 96, um, and I've had a, number, a few startups uh, or businesses, I prefer to call them. Um, mm -hmm. so I had an um, a e-billing company, um, which... Um, I, I co-founded um, 1990,000, and that got sold to Bax, a joint venture between Bax, an American company called Checkfree. And then after that, had a software services company called Linksfield Technologies, and um, that we did a lot of so, um, financial services software. And uh, I started there to get an insight into the insurance market, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, we, we actually built quite a cool fuzzy search engine um, for financial sanctions when they came out to allow companies to search the financial sanctions register. Mm -hmm. That was kind of, I suppose, an early application of AI. Um, and that company got sold to Northdoor, who actually were, you know, and are still, you know, work a lot in the insurance market. And that search engine, I think, is still used by a number of insurance companies today. Awesome. So, um, and then, you know, that was in 2012. And uh, Danny Katz, who's my co-founder in Optolytics, um, he's, um, I guess, much more steeped in the insurance market and business. He's an actuary, mm -hmm. um, worked for Tars Watson, and then actually helped set up Vitality in the UK. So um, when they first came to the UK, Danny was one of their first employees um, and worked there pretty much until we set up Optolytics together in 2013. Mm -hmm. So um, we're now um, so we're now 
we're based in London, headquartered in, in Camden. Um, and our team today consists of primarily of a mixture of developers, actuaries, um, who we tolerate, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Danny. Um, they, and, anyway, uh, they, all, they all call themselves data scientists these days. Well, I was going to say, and data scientists. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got uh, data scientists as well. And um, I suppose, you know, if I had to sum up Optolytics, I'd say we, we really help supercharge companies by making their systems smarter um, mm -hmm. and helping them to earn more revenue and be more efficient in what they do. Mm -hmm. um, we've developed our, um, our product Acumen um, that's really at the heart of this. Um, and the solutions around Acumen can comprise AI um, and data. And surprisingly, perhaps, and we'll, we'll hopefully we'll get into this a bit later, um, helping to eliminate, what, I guess, what I call the digital drag caused by spreadsheets, um, mm -hmm. which are a kind of key component in so many of the markets that we look at now. We allow people to kind of instantly convert their models in Excel um, into APIs and into systems. We support R and Python. And once that data is flowing, then you can apply all the AI and the other stuff that, that we do. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but it, it is, it's just incredible how much RP and, and knowledge and, and smarts are, are locked up in models sitting on the desktops of actuaries and data scientists, um, you know, that yeah. are sitting in insurance companies and other companies. Yeah, it, it, it's frightening, but just from a kind of um, strategic risk risk point of view, yeah. you know, like the amount of stuff that's just sat, yeah, like you say, on a desktop, and it's like, oh, the entire, you know, modelling of a, maybe a line of business, let's say, just sat on a specific desktop in a specific building. Yeah, I mean, do you still see that? I mean, it's that's still something you see on a regular basis. I mean, I know, I know, so it sounds, you know, your exposure to it is better than mine. I, I just, I imagine that in my head. But is that something that's still very much alive and kicking? I, unbelievably, and you know, it's interesting. Um, and I never thought I'd get to learn as much about spreadsheets as <laughs> perhaps I have done uh, <laughs> uh, in in recent years. But um, there's something like. 800 million users of Excel around the uh, around the world, and uh, wow. a very large proportion of those. You know, if you compare that to say software developers, where there might be I don't know, 80 million something mm -hmm. like that uh, mm -hmm. numbers or something like that. So you know, there's a massive of all those Excel users. A lot of them are using it to develop systems. And you know, you know, when we met when we went through um, the Lloyd's lab um, and we were in the Lloyd's innovation lab um, recently. Um, I was absolutely astounded at how billions of pounds of, of revenue uh, in business being done using spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it is flabbergasting. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's interesting, I'll, I'll tell you an anecdote um, about uh, Danny, and this was actually one of the drivers when we, when we started Optolytics. Um, so Danny would, you know, was, was sitting in this insurance company and he was coming up with these incredible models. Um, predicting which customers would lapse, for example, you know, which ones are likely to stay with us, which ones are likely to go. And mm -hmm. you go, great, I can tell you that these 20% of customers are likely to give up their policies. And they go, okay, so what do we do with that? They go, well, you should use it. Well, how do we use it? Well, it's stuck in your spreadsheet. And how do we make the call center know when someone calls up that that's the person that they need to offer a discount to or mm -hmm. upsell? Or, and so, that was kind of where we started with the whole thinking around optolytics and you know operationalizing that AI. Um, mm. But that's you know it's kind of a small example, but 
yeah, a lot happening on spreadsheets. Because what it's interesting there that that you make you make a really important uh, there's a really important point I think in that in that analogy is that it's not necessarily it's not just about identifying what, what the data right it, it's like what are you going to do with it and 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 have have you got things in place to kind of escalate that data because I think it's very obvious that insurance is kind of a bit late to the party in realizing how much data it has and how powerful that data is but um, you know you, uh, is there still a big gap that you find that you know they might know that there's these beautiful data points that they can make money out of but there's still a gap between that and operationally impacting uh, you know how they change their business model to take advantage yeah I think I think that that's um you know the the lack of um, take up in oper you know operationalizing AI that that's a mm. um, I guess that's a term that we we we, we use um, often you know um, I think is still a big challenge for for companies and you know we see it we work as you know we don't only work in the insurance markets we we work mm. in banking mm. we work, we've got banking and lending clients we work in in healthcare um, and what we've seen is in some of those clients that that have um, been able to operationalize that AI, what a difference it's it, it's made. Um, and you know, some of, if if you look at um, if if you look at Vitality, you know, um, so they're a, a client of ours, and how they use their data and how they apply AI and how we've worked with them. You know, they've they they really all about data. They use it they use it a lot and. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that makes a massive difference if you can actually connect all the dots from someone applying on a website all the way to the call center agent. And it's the same data and the models are getting applied and it goes end to end and you convert at a higher rate and they've seen uplifts in sales conversion. You know, it has a real a real impact. If, you know, less customers leave because you're applying the right methods or you're, mm. you attract more customers. That has a real impact on the bottom line. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because I think there's a there's a it's very easy to get stuck in um, analytics, automation, um, AI, and and see it as a cost saving, and and, and only that. But mm -hmm. you know, to that point there, yeah, one of the frustrations as a consumer is kind of repeatedly having to tell the same story, give information yeah. because the systems don't talk. You know, I, I want to talk to Vitality and and know that they've got access to all of my data, they know all of the pain points, and everyone in the business has the same information, and it's constantly live and updating. Um, because I think there's an element as well where as a consumer, we just expect those things now. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's a great story. Uh, I, I'm really into stand-up comedy and uh, <laughs> trust me, trust me, this is related. Um, but there's, there's a, a stand-up comedian who did this brilliant thing where he's on a fly. And um, as, I, I think this is actually one of these genuinely true stories. And he said, right, he was on one of the first flights where they had internet. And, and they said, right, guys, you can use the internet now. Um, you know, feel free to turn your phones on and, and, and use, the, use the Wi-Fi. And then uh, halfway into this flight, about two hours in, that, that it went down. So they had to announce, oh, I'm really sorry, guys. Oh, the Wi-Fi is no longer working. And everyone audibly was like, oh, for goodness sake. You know, you go, <laughs> two hours ago, you never, ever used Wi-Fi on a plane. <laughs> two hours later, you're like furious. You, yeah, exactly. So... But I think I think the expectation of consumers now is 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 so high when it comes to data. You know, they're giving yeah. you the privilege of having their data, and they expect you to kind of use it efficiently. So, it's not just about competitive advantage anymore. It's it's now a kind of that's yeah, a necessity. Necessity, yeah, absolutely. So um, I wanted to sort of take us back a little bit yeah. to um, you know 
you obviously do work in other markets, as you say, uh, healthcare, banking, etc. Um, who's kind of ahead as an industry? Who, who's who's sort of embracing this, or is it not fair to say that it's just certain in certain players within certain industries? Is, is there any sort of generalizations you can make? Um, I think. I mean, I think a lot of um, the consumer-facing industries are. Um, are, are making are making real you know re- real inroads. So mm-hmm. you know um, if you look at the Amazons of this world, or you know AI is so it's it's such a wild topic. Um, mm, of course, yeah, you could say, I mean, a, a, a funny example is you could say, well, car parks are really advanced because you know if you think today you drive up, you take for granted it recognizes your number plate. Yeah, and it will tell you where your car's parked when you go to some of the airport terminals now. People just take that for granted now, but you know, five, ten years ago, just recognizing a number plate was a big deal, or recognizing an image. You know, we take Alexa for granted now. We, you know, you look at what Google and Lloyd's are, are doing now with, uh, you know, this this new um, I'm not insure with Key, where they're using natural language recognition and document recognition and a lot of that stuff. You know, OCR has been around for a long time, but now you're actually starting to take advantage of it. Um, mm. So. You know, in healthcare, we we're um, we've been doing some some work recently in the in the COVID space, but also with some of our healthcare clients now looking at taking some of the data and just doing simple triage. So where you might have had a um, someone manually, you know, asking about basic symptoms and then working out who this person should see. Should they see a nurse? Should they see a doctor? Um, you can apply those rules. A computer can do that pretty efficiently and can make that process very, um, very quick and easy. Um, and when you think about it, it's obvious, but people aren't doing it. Um, mm. So there's, there's, there's a lot of different uh, cases. Um, mm. But insurance, insurance is an interesting industry and there's, there's a lot of, there, there are a lot of opportunities um, in it. Mm. Do you think the opportunity insurance is is disproportionately large to um, other industries, though, potentially? Well, um, I suppose I've got a bit of a skewed view because we, you know, we we look a lot at the insurance industry, and it's interesting because if you look at some of the programs, we've been lucky in Optolytics to go through the Accenture FinTech Lab, and uh, we've done the Lloyd's Innovation Lab, and now we're doing Mass Challenge um, mm-hmm. as well. You mm-hmm. know, in the US, we've just been selected into that. And the theme across all of these, what 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 it allows us to do is to talk to these companies and to talk to insurance companies, big and small. And there's some real real common themes that are coming out. And one of one of them, which we, we've touched on already, is data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so data is really the lifeblood, both both for AI and other operational efficiency, but particularly for AI, you can't really do AI without data. Mm-hmm. Um, and insurers are are really desperate to use it. It's the you know, it's very often lo- locked up. Uh, I spoke before about spreadsheets, and it's not just the models, but the data is often locked up in them. Um, but if you look at um, look at Lloyd's um, and this um, you, the, you know this case study that that we recently did with them, you know where it's this claim, you know, they had a claim system and that was something we developed with them through the, through the Lloyd's lab. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saving something like 13,000 hours a year of work through this implementation, which was really 
originally people using spreadsheets to upload data, somebody manually checking it. And for us just to automate that, to have a computer check it, for someone to get instant feedback, there's like, I don't know, a hundred hundreds of insurers you know using the platform and mm -hmm. all of them are saving hours for you but that's that's just one tiny piece that 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 we've addressed go compare our client files they're doing some fantastic work in making analytics data available in partnership to their, their, their partners and this is having a real impact on allowing consumers to get better pricing because insur mm -hmm. insurers can understand now where there are gaps, why they aren't competitive. And this ultimately drives better service for the customer, better, better pricing for the consumer, all mm -hmm. that driven through, through data. So I think the thing with insurance is there is so much. There's a lot of data, it's mm -hmm. complex. Um, there are parts of it that are hard with pricing, with prediction. So if you look right through the value chain, there's, there's a massive opportunity to, to address it. Mm. it's so broad as well and I, I i've had this conversation a few times and and as you work with actuaries and data scientists uh, hopefully you can give me an objective um, view on this but one of the challenges i see is that you know historically the custodians of data have in insurance businesses been in it's been siloed hasn't it you've had finance has got some data claims has got yeah. some data actuary actuaries have got some data um and it's interesting for me looking at the structure of kind of the new you know, data specific roles, something like data science. Um, and the ones that seem to do it well have kind of basically gone, yeah, data is its own function, but it has these reports from other different areas, but there seems to be a fight. There's, there's, there's typically a fight between the actuaries yeah. who kind of feel that they should own the data science. Um, is, is that the, for, for you, the kind of modern insurer is that data is so core that it should be its standalone function, but obviously it sits within other things. Is, is, is that something that you would share as a sentiment? Yeah, I think, I think it's a, um, it's got to be a combination. So um, I think sometimes when you, when you create departments like, you know, a data department, mm -hmm. um, you've got to be careful not to disintermediate um, the people who own the data or use the data. Sure. Um, so it's got to be enabling. And we've, we've worked with some, you know, companies which are great at that, at, uh, you know, the data or the, the chief data officer is an enabler saying, okay, we've got, I need to give you the tools to be able to use it. And then, you know, I think the others that are blockers and, you know, where the obstacles, you know, kind of, and not invented here syndrome you know we have to or we have to do it we don't work with external companies obviously it's particularly frustrating for us uh, <laughs> I, I feel i feel your pain on that john sometimes i get the same response this is uh, not, not, not so fun <laughs> but um but yeah i think it is it's being recognized as a as a core competency now um and and uh, i think what's interesting is that companies are realizing how much data is an asset and how they have to treat it as an asset. Um, mm. And then you, you know, then you need to work out, well, how do we best benefit from that asset that, that we hold, um, mm. you know, quantify it, classify it, and then actually use it. Yeah. So I think, yeah. No, sorry. I was going to say, it comes back to your spreadsheet point. And, you know, the, the first step is getting that data into a usable format, right? Is is getting it to a point where you can actually do something with it and access it and, uh, Absolutely. And, you know, when, if, if you look at um, um, uh, what an insurer we were working with, um, with, with recently, and, you know, they, they were 
doing quote they were quoting on a spreadsheet and it was a small line of business for them so the it department um didn't want any but you know they were looking at much bigger systems and uh you know this is a, a small percentage of business but it was an important line for them and brokers kept wanting to requote or to to get mm -hmm. new quotes for business um or to renew business and they'd have to mail in information and then um and then wait for the spreadsheet to be populated and for it to be sent back now what happened also is all that data was lost so the next year there was nothing on a system about what they quoted they might have done five quotes they probably saved down the last one which was the final one they agreed but nothing along that journey we changed that literally in a few weeks we took that spreadsheet we converted it into an api the mm -hmm. brokers connected into it via an api um and They've seen a massive uplift, one, much more volume. So actually it's become a bigger part of their business now. Brokers are sending them more business because they get quicker turnarounds. And, you know, what they spent was, you know, I mean, we definitely didn't charge them enough. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... you, should, you should get a cut on profits. Do, 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 do some deals like that, yeah. Um... <laughs> but, but you could really see them. And, but what's, what's as important is they now have that data. So now they can actually start applying models to that and saying, well, actually, maybe we could automate that piece or we could start predicting what price or discount we should give um, mm. or even just, you know, summarizing it. So the actuaries or the underwriters who are doing that pricing can have information about, you know, the whole universe that they've been looking at. So mm -hmm. that's just yeah. like one tiny example. And and that's the other thing that I think that's come out of some of the conversations I've had around AI and, and, and particularly data is that, you know, once you start to kind of apply it and you take away the kind of monotonous tasks, you can then look to create new products it, it creates opportunities it's not as simple as it's not just getting rid of cost it's 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 freeing up time to be creative create better experiences for customers when it comes to things like vitality in this example maybe they can kind of price better or they can kind of uh, add additional products to the same kind of suite or line of business so it's all about kind of enabling businesses uh, to have more time to be kind of more creative and, and add more value as well yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. No, sorry, please. No, don't. No, go on. No, no, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> um, I um, it's with the mic too close to me. Uh, too close. I'm, I'm I'm too quick on the draw with my comments. <laughs> but um, I was going to ask you about um, incumbents versus startups. Um. When when it comes to the application of AI, I I I think there's one school of thought that you know startups in a way can apply some of these tools easier because they can build foundationally this as part of their function um but then arguably there's there's greater wins for um legacy businesses yeah. um so very interesting is very very interesting question and uh, it's it's partly and i agree with you because uh, when one way you look at it it's a bit counterintuitive because you think startup ar naturally you know greenfield systems legacy but and there's a big but the incumbents have tons of data mm -hmm. and they, and again coming back to assets they've got tons of data assets and the opportunity for them to exploit that data and to and and to leverage their data is massive compared to startups i think which they can be nimble they start with a clean slate for tech but their challenge is they've got to build their customer base and build their data and their history. Um, and it's funny actually, because when we started out, um, we used to um, we used to 
say, and Danny and I often used to joke together that we'd, you know, we'd say Optolytics gave systems a brain. You know, we'd go into companies and say, well, give your systems a brain. You've got these legacy systems, <laughs> can't work out. We had these insurers who didn't know how to make their systems smarter, but they weren't going to go and chuck out all their systems and put in this shiny new thing. But, no. um, you know, by giving them an API or making it easy to connect or adding a model in one or two places, you could we could really see how you could leverage that. So I think we we see that there's a massive opportunity for incumbents to create big value. You know, their customer base is an asset. They can work out how do we hold on to them longer? Um, how do we give them more personalized choices? How do we optimize the cost for them? How do we sell them more product? All mm-hmm. of those are massive value for a when you when you look at the investment that they have to put into the AI system as, as as they look at it versus the uplift they can get the business value, it's a no-brainer. It doesn't mm. it's not always seem like that. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of hard work to get that, but but it is. It's 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 incredible. yeah. Well, it's 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 the value of those incremental wins, isn't it? And um, it, it's. Uh, I think what's come out of a lot of these talks, and I spoke to a few people on automation and, and just change and innovation in general. Um, I did a great, I had a great conversation this morning with some the guys from Cognitive Risk, and and that one of the phrases I really liked was micro innovation, yeah. and they were like just little wins, you know, like applying, you know, you were talking about a very small line of business, but presumably you've made it now a very profitable, significant line of business by making it a much more efficient process, yeah. um, and that. And that sort of, if you look at um, change in innovation on a kind of balance sheet perspective, and, and if, you, if you challenge innovation to have an ROI, um, you can start on something small. And if that delivers value, then you can do something slightly bigger. But I think sometimes we kind of look at these big changes and go, there's this big meal that you've got to kind of consume whole, but you don't need to do that. You can, yeah. you can make smaller changes. But, and, you know, it's, it's funny because that's, that's often one of the, one of the key key blockers in in AI, and, and I think you know I, I so so believe and buy into that. You know, start small, do do proof of concepts. Um, if you look at this as this massive strategy that we've got to do end to end, you you generally get stuck. And and I think that it's yeah that you know embrace POCs, embrace change, be prepared to. You know, potentially have to rework, refactor, re, you know, redo things in a in in a better way. But your learnings are are valuable too. Um, mm. But there's, you know, we we go into, you know, we see opportunities where you can make an immediate impact, and you sometimes will get feedback from a company going, okay, but that's only like step one, and we have to like define our whole roadmap, and we're going to be taking six months to do that, mm. and then we'll kind of come back and we'll work out where that cog. You know, well, actually, in two weeks' time, we can have that done. Like mm. it's going to take you that long to set up the meeting to talk about it. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's 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 a funny thing to laugh at, but it's so true, isn't it? I mean, I I um, you know, I so I used to work for RSA, and I've, I've talked about it a few times. I wasn't there very long, and um, uh, I was there like a year, and I was a, I was a graduate, so I was a terrible employee because yeah. I thought I should be running the show. But one of the things that happened while I was there, they rolled out a new system. Um, and it had taken it was months and months and months. It was like a 12 months project. And it came on came online, and two things happened. One, it was clear that no one that was actually going to be using it had been involved in making it. Disaster number one. Disaster number two was just that you know it didn't work very well. And 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 but it probably 
you know, if you're going to take 12 months to make anything, a business changes in 12 months, yeah. it's not going to be fit for purpose. So if, you, if you're going to take six months to do your roadmap of the entire thing, um, yeah, the, the business is going to change. And then step one probably doesn't look like step one anymore. So, um, but that's, does, is that something you think is culturally more aligned with just big businesses, established businesses, or is that specific to the insurance market, that kind of cultural thinking? I think I think it probably is um, wider than it, it, it is wider than just the insurance and, and not even in big business, you know, in medium sized businesses. Mm. And, and, you know, I think, you know, if you look, there's and, you know, some of the blockers that, that we face. We say, well, what, you know, what, what are what stands in the way? You know, people are, are a big are one of the biggest blockers, you know, and because there's fear a lot of RT teams um, and data teams now who sit next to them um, are scared of implementing AI or scared of implementing an innovative solution. They don't understand it. They're mm -hmm. worried that if they bring in external people, it's going to make them seem less valuable or less able. Um, sometimes we, you come in and you're fighting against the fact that there's been a failed project because of that. So you've yeah. got some, you know, an RT team who perhaps has, been inexperienced you've kind of picked up a book on it or you know done gone and done their Coursera course and you know now they're a data and AI expert and <laughs> and then they've done you know they've gone and they've clicked on build an automatic model on Azure ML or or AWS and then they've come and said great we've implemented AI and it doesn't work and mm -hmm. senior management go well what the heck this AI thing's you know uh, rubbish and uh, we're, we're not going to buy into it that senior management skepticism is is something that's really difficult to get over and you have to buy in through showing business mm. value why are we doing it what is the value going to be the, the you know the tools and I, I said it before the tools and the data exist The you know the cost of doing it is reducing all the time it's becoming more and more commoditized you need you know if you've got the data you've got an apr stream you can do it the it's we've almost moved to ironically you know the tech is not an inhibitor in a lot of cases anymore very often we're not sitting around going how are we going to do that technically mm. which which you know five years ago or seven years ago when eight, seven eight years ago when we started we we're going in and trying to convince people um that they could put their data in the cloud because you could get almost infinite computing power which could allow you to do now people are going well we have to be in the cloud yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got over that obstacle and you've got over the, how do we transfer data and the AP, there's so many more ways before, you know, we, when we started, so many systems didn't have API connections. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get the data out because there wasn't an API. These days, there's far more API connectivity. Even the traditional legacy providers are realizing that if they don't create an API, there's no such, you know, closed systems are dead. Yeah, you've got to be able to talk to other people. So then you'd say to yourself, well, okay, if all these things exist, why aren't you doing it? Uh, so that's the one thing is people. Mm. The other thing is sometimes it is data that it's locked up, as I said. People don't know how to get at it or they're afraid to share it. Um, mm. Sometimes around compliance, we very often have this, um, this issue where the compliance team or the data security team will go, well, we can't give you that data. And you go, well, why not? Um, and they go, well, because it's against compliance. You go, well, there's no person, you don't need the personal information. So it's, there's, you've got to challenge that. And you've got to say, well, you ask that, well, why not? And, you know, the, 
the the value of doing it is so high that it's worth asking those questions. And mm. there's so many times we're able to demonstrate to them when you can get over that and you can get over the fear and you can get past the the we can't do it and we're not listening to any suggestions how we can then you can say well actually we don't need that personal information in order to build a really smart model to allow you to predict something mm. because the person's name and the address and all that stuff isn't actually important you want some characteristics which actually you can share and actually it is compliant mm. it's interesting isn't it because you're um you were sort of really, it's really exposing something. Someone said to me earlier that, you know, we, we've got to get away from this idea of digitizing insurance. Yeah, every, every insurance company is, digi is digital now. It has to be. And, 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 but what they were saying is we're now moving into an area of intelligent insurance. Yeah. And, but there's something about people in that, you know, we're not quite yet data literate in to, to, to the to the extent that you're talking about and and it, and it plays out in things like not understanding what what where there's compliance data breach and where there isn't um you know what the data can and can't be used for um but also what what's possible you know but but it sounds like your job is 90 but 90 percent education um you know 10 percent application it's like we know what to do we just have to convince you it's the right thing to do yeah and and it's a massive challenge for us to you know to, to get that trust from companies because you know and i think there is breaking into the insurance industry is difficult there's mm. a net you know there's a network and there's people who know everybody and um you've got to be a certain size i mean inherently they risk <laughs> risk the first, yeah 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 <laughs> they certainly yeah. uh they, they certainly know how to evaluate risk so um yeah. it's you know i think that that is a challenge it's frustrating sometimes because you can walk in and you can go you know we we've, we've got a solution for you um i think we're getting to a point though where there is a little bit more standardization and we can go in and um, i think as a company we're able to offer much more standardized solutions you can go in and you can mm. say okay You've got a pricing spreadsheet and you've got options around that. You can go and you can take a really expensive system, and there are the, those out there, um, where you'll have to spend the next six months converting that spreadsheet into a completely different language that the person who originally wrote the spreadsheet is not going to understand, not going to be able to test um, at the end of it. And you're going to have a really whiz-bang system, but you're not even going to really know if it works and yep. it's going to take you ages. Or... Yep. You could take, let that original person work with it, get rid of all the, the fear around spreadsheets of, you know, it's not compliant and it doesn't work with data, make it API compliant, get all the data out, and you can do it in two weeks. Mm. And actually the original person can test it and can maintain it. And so, you know, and then you can allow other people to talk to it. And so I think we're getting, and that's just one example. Obviously, yeah. there's all the other stuff, yeah, 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 really cool. all the data ADA model and all the all the other things on top of that. But yeah. The the challenge for us really is, you know, I, I don't even think it's demonstrating the value so much anymore because I think often when you walk in, if you get if you can get the time to sit down with the right person and explain it to them, so that's challenge one is to get to that right person, and then it's for them to trust to trust an external company um and a smaller company you know who's not a you know an ibm or a or an accenture or a deloitte is coming in mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'm, I'm only sort of laughing rudely and uh, about 
the use of management consultancies in a certain track and trace system that we are <laughs> very expensively paid for. But um, let's not talk about that. Um, how can a business best sort of get itself ready to embrace AI? What 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 can they do to set themselves up um, for this kind of change yeah. in their operating system? Or so operation? I think I think you you touched on it before, and I think um, the I, I would say be open to experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared to do some proof of concepts. Um, be prepared to look at your data and to share data amongst departments also um, and be able to use external systems as well. I think that's sometimes a challenge. You know, if you look at, um, I mean, that's why I'll come back to like, if you look at what Google's done in, in the Lloyd's market, you know, that's a massive step forward. Um, mm. There's an embracing, you know, from a really traditional insurance environment and a really innovative company like Google putting their heads together and going, hey, we're going to, we're going to do something quite innovative here and trusting, um, you know, a, a company like that, a, a tech company to work on the data. And, um, you know, that, that I think is, is going to be a, a, a real, um, a, a real step forward. Um, I think the, the, the other thing is about educating at the senior level, senior buying and, mm. you know, there's, probably around lots of board tables in companies, they will have an innovation session. I go, we want to do AI, but do people really understand what that means? Can you translate it into, we want to do AI because, um, or AI is going to help or this particular solution where we're going to use AI to, um, you know, predict customer lapses is go. We want to do it because we want to put another 20% on our bottom line or another, mm-hmm. 5% uplift in customer take up. Mm. And I think it's that, you know, you've got really technical people talking about it, or you've got business people who don't understand the tech. And I think it's trying to, you know, mesh those two together. That's really going to, once people start understanding, once senior management start understanding that it's going to have a influence on the bottom line, then I think it's going to really start getting attention. Mm. and that's you know that says a lot i think about um you know that that falls into my world i think one of the challenges that we have is when you're running insurance businesses today leadership of insurance businesses usually these people have come through the function of insurance as it stands you know so they they might have been underwriting they might have been operations you know obviously they may you know they've got cfos and people may have had broader worlds but generally speaking they're insurance professionals that have kind of graduated to the c-suite um or the leadership roles and the challenge for that is quite often that they're not bringing those new skills and one of the challenges i i see is that we're very particularly with insurance, it happens in all other industries as well, is that this classic thing that comes in all the briefs that I see must have insurance experience. And it it might be for a CTO role. And I, and I kind of challenge that and I go, or, 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 or uh, analytics, head of analytics as well, must have insurance experience. I kind of challenge that thinking and say, well, do they? Do they need that? Why? And, and, and wouldn't it be great if they didn't have that and they bring in you know some new ideas because i you know i bet you i bet your bottom dollar that a really senior person in analytics from uh google's probably worth having on your table um you know just just to drop a logo in there but uh, but yeah i think some of that thinking holds us back a little bit yeah and i think 
I mean, it's it's a and it's an interesting one because if you look at at Lloyd's and you know I know you've spoken to you know a number of of the cohorts and our cohorts and previous cohorts. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have gone into that market not really knowing, yeah. um, not not knowing the lingo, not knowing you know. I mean, I understood insurance, but didn't really understand Lloyd's that well when um, when I went there. I think you know. Others around me, we've got, and as I said, I've got actuaries in our company, and you know, mm-hmm. some of them had worked in Lloyd's and they understand it. But um, if I talk about my personal journey there, I didn't really understand it that well. But you learn it, and you can see mm-hmm. opportunities, and you can look at it. You can say, "Well, why are you doing it that way?" Mm-hmm. Or you know, um, I understand, but you could do it better. Or he has a different way. Or people in banking are doing it that way. Or people in, you know generally you know a different insurance are doing it that way so i do mm. think sometimes you know kind of cross-pollination of ideas um is healthy yeah because you make a really like interesting and, and valid point um about the yeah exactly exactly that i i, I was talking about something the other day it's funny because we sort of have these briefs that you know i, I work at senior level hires and always have to have this you know insurance experience and and that's i take that as as written that's pretty much always the way it has to be but all the money, or a lot of the money being spent, particularly on the insure tech market, which is being kind of invested in by the incumbent insurers, is quite commonly going into businesses with people like yourself who don't actually come from the insurance background because they're bringing new ideas. And there's something very amusing to me about that is that, that we insist on the people that work for us have come from the insurance world, yet we're investing large sums of money in people that are bringing new ideas because they don't come from that world. Yeah. Um, Yet we're not we're not we're not in we're not in housing those people and saying let's get some of the and that that's not universally true and and there's lots of businesses out there be throwing things at the TV or Spotify saying <laughs> saying Alex that's not true and I and, and I concede that but I think universally um, there's more of that goes on than not I don't think it's exclusive to insurance I'm sure you get it in other industries yeah. in banking and retail and um, but it, it it just shows that I think to really innovate I think you need to you need people like yourself that are asking the question of why, you know, why do we do it like that? Could we do it a different way? And the answer might be no. And there's a reason why we do it that way. Cause there's this nuance about insurance that you didn't know, but it's still a good question to ask most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And it's, and you know, it makes uh, one of our clients recently um, is, you know, and, and this is in, in, in the medical space had brought in someone and one of the few people I think in that business now that didn't re- that didn't come from medical background, um, mm. but came from a really operational, you know, background. Actually, from a consulting and uh, business process reengineering, which is quite unusual to bring into a mm. medical business. But actually, we've been working with them, and they just have a different view on it. It's like, you know, you you've got data and processes and inefficiencies and opportunities and whether that was in you know you manufacturing widgets or medical there's enough other people in the business to do you obviously have to be sensitive about it and it's people and it's medical or it's cars or it's insurance whatever but there is enough of that expertise but mixing that with kind of another view is yeah it's is is often often you get uh um, better results or, or different results yeah i mean that's that for me is where the magic happens so look i'm, I'm conscious of our time we, 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 yeah. we're already up to uh, the best part of 50 minutes so i just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about um you know what's what's happening you said you're really really busy which is really good to yeah. hear but what's what's going on with you guys for the rest of the year what's um what are your plans for world domination <laughs> <laughs> um well 
I think we've got really good plans for um, um, for Acumen. Um, our products um, really coming along. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of demand and uh, a bit more demand and uptake, um, hopefully in the market. Um, as I mentioned, we're doing mass challenge. We're starting to mm -hmm. do some work with some US companies, um, which is really, you know, really interesting um, and, you know, potential fundraise on the card. So um, yeah, lots, uh, lots going on. We, we very, we see a lot of opportunity for growth this year. Awesome. Yeah, no, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I think this is a, it's such an interesting space and there's so much application out there because of, particularly in the incumbent industry, I just think, like you say, there's these tre treasure troves of data that, that just need um, utilising um, and weaponising. And, you know, this, this, this it, it, for me, it's the, it's the value add because I, I naively started this going, oh, it's just all about cutting costs, right? That, that's what I thought. I mean, it's about cutting costs, but, you know, the opportunity for new products and greater innovation and um you know and freeing up people's time to yeah. do you know well, that's what struck home with me is that as someone that deals with people and, and pe getting people jobs people don't want to be checking data entry manually no. you know no. it's about getting rid of that and allowing people to be creative and and and, and add value to businesses so um anyway i'll, I'll get off my soapbox and um you know <laughs> no, but... I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll join you on that soapbox people <laughs> <laughs> time it's uh it's, it's a great uh um yeah it's, a good, it's good it's good is exactly it's a good mission to be on but um john thank you so much for your time thank you so much for being a guest and um yeah i really appreciate it thank you very much uh, thanks for having me on you're welcome As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.